Parsha's Teruma, the Jew, a sanctuary. Everyone remembers the promise made by HaKadosh Baruch Hu to the Am Yisrael in this week's Sedra. V'asu li mikdash, and they should make for me a mikdash. V'shachanti bitocham, and I will dwell in their midst. Now, we don't really think too much when we read the Chumash, and so we gloss over these words without too much thought. But actually, it's an astonishing idea. That the Shekhinah, the one who created the entire universe from nothing and continues to maintain its existence, should come down and dwell in the midst of the camp of the Am Yisrael? It's staggering. But the truth is that what this Pasuk is telling us is even more astonishing than that. Because when Hashem said, I will dwell among the sons of Yisrael, he meant much more than merely, I will move into the Mishkan and dwell there among you in the middle of the camp. Oh no, that's only the beginning. It's much more than that. Vishachanti bitocham means, I'm going to dwell bitoch kol echad v'echad, inside each and every one of the Bnei Yisrael. It means that besides for residing in the Mishkan, the presence of the Shekhinah in the middle of the camp was a symbol of the Kedusha that resides in each and every one of us. How do I know that, you might ask? I have it on the authority of a certain person. When I tell you his name, you might not think he's an authority worth quoting. But I think he's a very big authority. He was a very... Very great Torah sage, a great genius, and a tremendous thinker. And so why did I say you might not think he's worthy of quoting? Because it's none other than Korach. Korach was a very great man. He was everything that I said about him, and much more. And we should listen closely to his words. You remember when he was trying to convince Moshe Rabbeinu of the righteousness of his position, he made a statement as follows. Kikol ha'eda kulam kedoshim. The entire congregation, every single one of them is holy. Ubitocham Hashem. And in their midst is Hashem. Now what was Korach telling Moshe? Hashem is in their midst? Did he mean that in the middle of their camp there was a mishkan? That doesn't make sense. How would that help his argument? Korach was telling Moshe, why are you taking for yourself all the authority? You're taking all the good jobs. You are the leader, the melech, and Aaron, your brother, is the coin gadol. And us, you leave out? We're also somebody. So what would it help Korach's argument to say that Hashem is in the Mishkan? That's no argument to prove that he is worthy or somebody else is worthy, just like Moshe and Aaron are. But the answer is that Korach is talking here not about the Mishkan. He's talking about the people. Upetocham Hashem. In the midst of each one of us is Hashem. That was the real argument of Korach. Kulam Kedoshim. We're all Kedoshim. Upetocham Hashem. Because the Kedusha of Hashem is in every one of us. Not just you and Aharon. Every single Ben Yisrael and Bad Yisrael deserve the greatest of honor. Because the Shekhinah resides in all of us. Now that's a concept that's very difficult even to talk about. 
It's difficult enough to talk about the Shekhinah dwelling in the Mishkan. But that he dwells within us. That we are holy because his holiness dwells within us. It seems beyond our ability even to discuss. But that's exactly what happened to the Am Yisrael in the beginning of our history. We became not only the chosen nation, but the holy nation. Everybody knows that from the beginning of time, mankind always offered sacrifices. Adam brought korbonos, Cain and Hevel and Noach too. It's written openly in the Torah that they brought offerings. When mankind still had some seichel before they were bamboozled by ignorant writers and philosophers who belittled the offerings, everyone understood that bringing offerings was a form of expressing devotion to the Creator. And yet we note that all of these offerings throughout the history of man were olos, burnt offerings. It means an animal was burnt in its entirety on the Mizbeach, and the smoke carried heavenward, the product of the combustion, as if to feed Kaviachol HaKadosh Baruch But never in history did it occur to anyone that a human being should eat from an offering. It would have been a sacrilege to even imagine such a thing, that someone should take what is dedicated for the table of the Creator, and he should profane it. By putting it into his mouth, it was out of the question. And then came the night of the Korban Pesach, and a revolution occurred. On the night that Hashem took us out of Mitzrayim to be his nation, the entire picture of history had changed. What happened? We were commanded to eat from the Korban Pesach. Ve'achlu et habosor. The Bnei Yisrael must eat from the flesh of the sacrifice. But you shouldn't think it was just a mitzvah and finished. You have to understand what's doing here. You know that every offering requires that part of the entrails, part of the fats, be burnt on the Mizbeach. There's no such thing as a korban without that. What kind of sacrifice could it be if there's no burning up to Hashem? And yet in Mitzrayim, on the night of Pesach, we don't find that they did that. There was no Mizbeach. And that's a big puzzle. How can there be such a thing as a Korban Pesach if there was no place to burn the fats? And the answer is this. It's quite astonishing, so pay good attention. When they put the Korban into their mouths, that was the Mizbeach. When a Yisrael consumes a Korban, it's like the fire of the Mizbeach is burning in it. And that's the answer to how it could be. Such a thing now that never happened before, that a human being eats from a korban, because a Yisrael is not a human being. He's much more than a human being. That's a very important lesson. At that time, Hashem declared that the Jewish body is Kodesh Kadoshim. When they ate from the korban Pesach, that was the Mizbeach. It was a fire of the Jewish spirit consuming the korban Pesach into their body. Now, such a concept is extremely difficult even to talk about. But there it is, black on white. We are commanded to put the Korban Pesach into our mouths and to chew on it and swallow it because we are now a Mizbeach. It's a remarkable thing. Just like the Mizbeach is considered Kodesh Kadoshim, the body of a Yisrael is no less holy. But not only 
It's like the Mizbeach. The Jewish body is more holy than the base Hamikdash itself. Suppose, Chalila, there is a fire on Shabbos in the base Hamikdash. Do you have the right to put out the fire to save the base Hamikdash? No. But suppose there is a Jewish child lying in a crib. A crippled child, Rachman al-Itzlan. A sick child who can't live much longer. And there is a fire on Shabbos that endangers his life. We would do everything to save his life. You can put out the fire. You can run to the drugstore. You can write a prescription. You can cook for him. You can do anything needed. So we see that a Jewish life is more holy than the whole Beis Hamikdash with its Mizbeach and with all of its apportances, with the Sifrei Torah and the Aron Habris and everything else. Nothing is as Kodesh as a Jewish body. As long as a Jew is alive and he has the chilek elokam imal, the portion of Hashem within him, there is nothing more holy. We are not just another nation. We are an entirely different entity in the world. The Jew parted company with the nations of the world and became an entirely different kind of existence. Mikam chay Yisrael, goy echad ba'aretz. Who is like your people, Yisrael? One nation in the world? It doesn't mean a chosen nation. It means we're the one nation entirely different from all others. You peoples of the earth, your bodies are not sacred. You may have noble attitudes sometimes. Why not? Every human being is capable of nobility. Everybody has a great soul within him if he utilizes it properly. But HaKadosh Baruch Hu has rested his Shekhinah only besocham, only in the Am Yisroel. And even the bodies of every Yisroel is now Kodesh Kadoshim. And included in that is that our bodies became holy. That's why from now on, we cannot put into our mouths just anything unless it's sanctioned by the Torah. Just like you cannot put an offering on the Holy Mizbeach unless the offering is approved by the Torah, our bodies are no less holy. That's what the Torah in Devarim says. Ki am kadosh atala You are a holy nation to your God. And because of that, lo tevashel gidi You can't eat meat and milk together. Other places too. You can't eat Nevela because you're holy. You can't eat Trefa because you're holy, Shemos. You can't put into the holy place of your body what is considered unholy. And that's why a Jew, when he guards the laws of Kashrus, he should know it's because he is sacred, because he's a Makam Kodesh. He can't put something unclean into that holy habitation. Now these ideas may seem exaggerated when they are heard the first time. Nevertheless, that's Torah, and that's the attitude that Hashem expects us to gain and to live with as much as possible. As I said before a number of times, whether we are ready to accept that or not, that's Torah, and we have to think about this idea as much as possible. And the more we do, the more we'll appreciate the words, Vishokhanti betocham, and the Kedusha we have within us. Now, to explain this a little more, we'll turn for a few minutes to Shmona Esrei. You know that all the brachas in the Amida are expressions of gratitude. That's what Baruch Atah means. 
I bend my knees in gratitude to you, Hashem. The first bracha is thanking Hashem for being the shield of Avraham and his descendants. The second bracha, we thank him for Tichyas HaMesim. It's a long list. 19 thank yous. We thank him for giving us health. We thank Hashem that he blesses the land and gives us the produce to provide sustenance. We're thanking him for Parnassah. Every bracha expresses gratitude for something. Only that when we come to one of the blessings, we don't understand. Baruch atah Hashem hakel kadosh. You're holy. Hashem, we thank you. Hashem, that you are so holy. Now, if we're thanking Hashem for that, so we understand that we're being grateful for some benefit that we are receiving from him. It's puzzling, however. What is the purpose of thanking Hashem because he's holy? Isn't it a pity we say it three times a day and we don't understand what we're thanking for? It's a frustration of the purpose of the bracha. You get up early in the morning to run to synagogue. Sometimes it's still dark outside. And then again in the afternoon and again at night. And you don't even know what you're saying. Thank you for being Kela Kadosh. But you don't know what you're grateful for. Now, if we're going to understand this, the number one question we have to answer is, what does the word Kadosh mean? And so we'll say the word Kadosh means perfect. What does the perfect Hashem mean? Anything good that can be said in this world, anything good that can be found in this world, any standard of good is in Hashem. The most perfect standard of wisdom and the most perfect standard of power and kindliness and everything else, it's all included in His perfection. Now, of course, that's immediately minimizing our Kaddish Baruch Hu because there's no question that he is far beyond any perfection that we are able to discover in the world. He's infinite in his perfection. But what can we do? We have to use the language that human beings use. We cannot talk with any language other than ours. And so the best we can do is to say, Kaddish means perfect. If you came here just to hear that, Believe me, it's worth the trip. And you can put it into practice right away. By Mar of tonight, we should arm ourselves beforehand when we come to that third bracha. We won't waste that bracha by saying meaningless words. At least one Marv. One time, you could think about what it means. Atakadosh means you are the most perfect one. Hashem. You are so vastly perfect that nothing... Not only that we know about, but nothing that we could imagine will ever even remotely approach your perfection. Everything in the world is limited. Everything has weaknesses and flaws, while you, Hashem, are the one who is intrinsically perfect. Very good. We now know what the words mean, but still we come back to our original question. It's true. You're holy. You're very holy. Infinitely holy. But what are we thanking for? You, Hashem, are perfect. May be a valuable subject for meditation. Certainly it's an important principle that illuminates the mind. But it seems to us that there's nothing to be grateful here. 
What are we thanking for? The answer is that the greater Hashem is, the greater we are. Because Hashem chose us to invest with His Kedusha. It means that according to His perfection, so is the perfection of the nation that He chose. And therefore we say, Baruch Atah Hashem, we thank you Hashem for being Hakel HaKadosh, the highest perfection we could imagine. Because all that perfection reflects to our credit and to our greatness. We're thanking Him for putting within us an infinite greatness that no other nation can ever come close to. For a greatness that's reflected upon us from Him. That's why we're called His children. Because children resemble their parents. You are my children, Hashem says to us. Now that statement is a stunning statement. Of course, today, it's meaningless. Because in America, we're accustomed to saying, we're all the children of Hashem. That's why the Reformed Jews get together with the NAACP. Because they say, we're all children of God. But it's ridiculous. It's not Torah. You, the Am Yisrael, are the children of Hashem. And make no mistake about it. We don't care what the world says. We stick by the Torah. You are my children and nobody else. And children resemble their parents, you know. When the parents are more aristocratic, the children are also more aristocratic. When the parents are more gifted, the children are also more gifted. And who are we? We are children of the one who is perfect. If you're our father and we're your sons, it means that we are endowed with some of your perfection. And the more perfect you are, Hashem, the more perfect we are. That's why we're so grateful. There is nobody in the world that has a God as perfect as Hashem Elokei Yisroel. Lahavdil, Elef, Alfehavdolos, even according to the fabrications of the Umas Ha'ilam. They let slip now and then, and they say something about their God. That's a little bit embarrassing. Now is not the place, but I would like to show you in the New Testament how many places Yoshke Pandre let slip statements that really are a bizarre for a decent person to say. Of course, they have Perushim on it. They try to cover it up with falsehoods, with wrong Peshatim, wrong Perushim on Pesukim and Tanakh. But all that shows in their ignorance and criminal intent to twist the Pesukim. We don't worship any character of God. We don't worship a three-in-one shoe polish. Our God is one, and he's perfect, and he's forever. He never dies. We don't worship a God that died. Maybe you think it's a small remark, but it's a big remark. Because once a God dies, you need excuses and news stories about how he'll come back again. But it already spoiled the whole thing. So you'll tell me, Muhammad, Muhammad's God didn't die. But the truth is, he was never born either. Because when we have a look at Muhammad's God, we understand that really Muhammad was holding a big puppet. He had a big rag doll named Allah. And that doll was saying everything Muhammad wanted him to say. Muhammad wasn't a prophet. He was a ventriloquist. 
He was just throwing his voice through Allah's mouth. The Quran, after all, that's what Allah is supposed to be speaking. Muhammad swore that every word comes from Allah. But what it really means is that he was holding a big puppet named Allah on his arm. And he's talking into his mouth. Muhammad, there's no prophet like Muhammad, Allah said. But it's all imagination and sheker. The ventriloquist was putting words into the mouth of the puppet. Muhammad has shown himself to be one of the biggest liars that ever lived, besides being one of the biggest boasters. Now, don't think I'm saying it merely because I'm a Jew. I can show it to you scientifically. I have a Quran that I keep in my bathroom, and I can show you many cases where this man lied through his teeth. He was Megala Ervaso too. And it's a shame that he is a founder of a religion. We don't worship any puppet gods or dead gods. The Elokei Yisrael is the perfection of all good qualities. There's nobody in the world that has a God as perfect as Hashem Elokei Yisrael. And the more perfect he is, the more perfect our nation becomes. And therefore we say, Baruch Atah Hashem HaKel HaKadosh. We thank you for that. We say, thank you, Hashem, for being so perfect. Because the greater you are, that much greater we are. We are his people. And if he is holy, we are holy. If he is a million times more holy, so we are that much holier. And so we begin to understand now at least something about the gratitude we have to him for his Kedusha. It's a great gift. One of the greatest benefits that Hashem could confer upon us. That he placed within us something of his Kedusha Kaviachol. And we can be infinitely great too. Now, what that means certainly must be explained because we'll never understand what the infinite perfection of Hashem includes. All we can say is that he certainly does have greatness and glory and his greatness and glory are infinite. He has wisdom and his wisdom is infinite. He has perfection of every kind and his perfection is infinite. And because HaKadosh Baruch Hu is bli gvul ubli taklis, because he is infinitely great. So what he put into the Am Yisrael by means of a shachanti betocham is also infinite. Now you might think it's an exaggeration, but pay attention to the following statement that you heard already from me. There's a pasuk that says, Kedoshim to you. You should be perfect, ki kadosh ani, because I am perfect, vayikra. So the Medrash says, yachol, I might think, ki kedushasi, that Yisrael can be as holy, as perfect as Hashem, that our holiness is the same as His holiness. Talmud lomar, ki kadosh ani, I am holy, kedushasi, lemale mi kedushaschem, my holiness is superior to yours. Do you hear such a thing? Such a havamina? Yachol? I could think to say that maybe we are Kaddush, the same as he is Kaddush. Who could have thought such a thing? But it states there that the Am Yisrael is so holy that our Kaddush Baruch Hu found it necessary to say that he is superior to us. 
Which means that every Jew has such potential and such greatness that if we could understand who he really is, we'd be so amazed. We would think it's divinity itself. No matter how you'll imagine the perfection that's concealed in the potentiality of the Jewish soul, no matter what you'll say, you're always understanding it. There's so much Kedusha there that there's a possibility that we might think Kekedushasi, it's equal to the holiness of Hashem. So Hashem has to come along and say, no, I am superior to you. You're infinitely holy, but I'm something even bigger than that. It doesn't mean that you're already perfect, but it means that you possess within your soul a capability for endless perfection. Vishachanti bitocha means that man has within him potential for infinite nobility, infinite glory, infinite wisdom, and infinite perfection. Of course, nobody will live long enough to bring forth all of the qualities of Kedusha that are concealed within his neshama. But as long as you live, you continue to have that opportunity to draw forth that reflection of Hashem's infinite perfection. And it's such a Kedusha that if you could live forever, you would be capable of drawing forth endless greatness. Now, before we go further, we should clear the decks for action and understand that being a Kadosh doesn't mean you're a holy man who fasts. It doesn't mean a person who dresses like a tzaddik or says a lot of Tehillim. Could be those things are included. I can't tell you. But what a Kaddish actually means is a person who is ambitious to become more perfect. Kiddushim to you, says Hashem. Each one of you should make yourselves more and more perfect. Ki Kaddish Ani, because I am holy. It means that I want to see each one of you bring forth as much as you're capable of. The greatness that I stored up in you. Now, what does HaKadosh Baruch Hu do to help us realize some of this greatness in practice? After all, He made this world, and He made it for us, and therefore we understand that the conditions in the world are so designed to give us endless opportunities. And as long as we're willing to be aware constantly of our potential, we'll be able to bring forth that infinite Kedusha, only that we must be willing to cooperate with His plan and to utilize the opportunities. The Mesilis Yishodim says, Kol haim. Everything in the world is for the purpose of testing us. Kol ha'olam doesn't mean some things. Kol means everything. A husband is a test for a wife. A wife is a test for a husband. Children are tests. Parents are tests. Neighbors are tests. The weather is a test. The sun is a test. The moon is a test. The sidewalk is a test. There's nothing in the world that's not a test. Now that has to be explained. Because why does Hashem need all these tests? A chemist has to make tests. Doctors have to make tests. They don't know unless they make tests. And even after they make tests, they also don't know much. But why does HaKadosh Baruch Hu need tests? He knows everything already, even though we have free will. The Rambam explains that Hashem knows the future anyhow. So what 
is the purpose of all of these tests? The answer is that the word Nisayun doesn't mean test. We call it a test. But Nisayun comes from the word Nun Sin Aleph. Naso or Nisa to lift up. Nase means a banner, something that's on high. Ve'elukim Nisa es Avraham means Hashem lifted up Avraham by means of a test, by putting mankind to test. Hashem brings forth the greatness that is buried inside of our neshamas. The tests bring forth from us the potential Kedusha in a measure far beyond what we possessed before. And so, we're learning now that everything that happens is for the purpose of eliciting the perfection that's hidden within you. Of course, it takes some thought, some preparation, to see how you can achieve perfection from this event, or from that object, or from this happening. But there are always opportunities in our lives to choose greatness. How many opportunities? They're endless! Children can utilize their parents, and parents can utilize their children. Parents are a tremendous opportunity for perfection for children. When children make it their business to honor their parents properly, and even when the parents are not there, they're thinking about them. They're becoming more and more perfect. A fellow Jew, every Jew is an opportunity for you. Every Jew is an Isaiah for you. It's a waste if you see a Jew pass by and it makes no impression on you. A Jew passed by. Man or woman, boy or girl, a Mikdash is passing by. An infinite holiness is passing by. And so when you see a from Jew and you're able to muster a certain amount of respect for that person, you should know you're passing the test. It's an Isayan. It's a test that is bringing forth the greatness from within you. And you become more and more Kadosh because of that. For a man, of course, the Sephardim on the shelves are an Isayan. Therefore, the purpose that we should utilize them. When people pass by and never take a Sefer, they're missing one of the most important Isayanas of this world. Opening a Sefer and reading the words makes you a Kadosh. The holiness of the Sefer comes from the letters and enters into your neshama. Saying the words is even better. Saying Divrei Toida with your mouth certainly makes you more Kaddish. Of course, when a person learns such subjects that elevate his mind more easily, let's say he learns Chayvas Lavavas and Sharei Tshuva and Mesilas Yishadim, no question, he becomes Kaddish. Every minute his neshama is rising higher and higher. He can even feel it. How he's changing. When someone attempts to improve himself by learning, by gaining understanding, by learning musr, or by practicing self-control, that's an elevation. Of course, learning halachas is very important. Learning lambdas, very important. Whatever it is, sephardim are a ladder for a man to ascend to greatness. Now, a woman's way is not the man's way. A woman becomes perfect from her family. She brings up children and she puts effort into them. Not just effort. She puts kedusha into them. A mother can train the children with Amuna and Yerushamayim, like David HaMelech said about his mother in Tehillim. Shlomo HaMelech also said his mother taught him in Mishlei. Yes, besides for bringing him up, 
Shlomo's mother elicited more and more Kedusha from her son every day. A mother's role, because women love children more than men do, is much greater in the home than her husband. By means of raising the children al Toida, a mother brings forth the Kedusha in her children and herself at the same time. A husband and wife, of course, are one of the greatest opportunities to gain perfection. A husband and a wife supply tests for each other all the time, and the purpose is to bring forth more and more Kedusha as the years go by. Men and women many times have a tendency to disagree, and nevertheless, each one tries to be gentle, each one tries to speak politely, each one has self-control, and they try to yield to each other as much as possible. It's not easy. It's not easy at all, but there's no question that the Shekhinah dwells in the home according to the efforts of the participants, and a lifetime of such practice makes them Kadosh. It's not easy, but the rewards are infinitely great because the Shekhinah dwells not only in their homes, but in their bodies. Outside the home too. You should know the outside world is made in such a way to attract us to certain ideals. That's why when you see a beautiful day, a blue sky, beautiful trees, you should think it's for the purpose of bringing forth in you a certain appreciation of the greatness of Hashem, the Chaste Hashem. Hashem, what a beautiful world you gave me. It's a lifetime career to learn how to appreciate the kindliness and the wisdom of Hashem all around you. When you see happiness in the world, when you enjoy certain things, use that to elevate yourself. You enjoy your sleep. Say, thank you, Hashem, for my good sleep. Thank you for my pillow. You should enjoy your health and thank HaKadosh Baruch Hu for it. It's all made for the purpose of Nisoyen. It's a test to bring forth the perfection within you. Mitzvahs. We can't leave that out. Of course, a mitzvah makes a person Kaddish. Every time you do a mitzvah, you become more Kaddish. An old Jew is more Kaddish than a young Jew. He did more mitzvahs, and it adds up. The Kedusha that you gain each time doesn't go lost. That's why we thank HaKadosh Baruch Hu. We thank you for giving us a great gift of becoming more Kaddish by means of fulfilling your commands. We're so happy, so grateful for those opportunities. If you utilize the mezuzah, that's a great addition of Kedusha. Don't just pass by the mezuzah like people pass by and give it a kiss. Think about what's inside. Hashem Echad. It means Hashem is everything. He's the creator. He made the world out of nothing. And he's Elokeinu. He's ours. He proclaimed that he belongs to the Am Yisrael. The master of the universe is ours. Think of these thoughts as you pass by a mezuzah. When you put on your tefillin, think about what is in the tefillin. It's very important. And tzitzis, not only when you put them on. You see your husband and your son, even a little boy walking in the street. You see he has tzitzis. Think about it. It's a nisayan for you. And if you don't think about it, you're failing the nisayan. 
take a look once in a while at Sitzes, yours or someone else's, and think, Uritem Oto, Uzchartem. You should see them and remember the mitzvahs. Think of Shadness. Think of Taras Mishpocha. Think of Shmiras Halashon. Think of Ribis. Whatever it is, think of something. Of course, you're surrounded with sitzes on all sides. It's a big job. But a little bit, once in a while, think about that. That's the purpose. Because when people think these thoughts, they're bringing out the greatness that's inside of them. Now this subject, you should know, is only the beginning. It's just a hakdama to a very great system of training for how to attain the perfection of vishachanti bitocham. Because there's no end, no limit to what you can achieve. Everybody should know that he has an endless store of perfection within himself. And people who live their lives without this attitude of yearning for perfection are making one of the most tragic errors in their lives. It's a big misuse of continued existence. If you don't attempt to become better, and instead you're satisfied to continue as the way that you were, it's a tragedy. What's the purpose of continuing to live if not for the purpose of becoming better and better? And that's what HaKadosh Baruch Hu is waiting for. Because he has put into man this infinite perfection for the purpose that it should be utilized. HaKadosh Baruch Hu breathed into you his Kedusha. And by your efforts to solicit the greatness within, you're bringing it forth from potentiality into actuality. And that is the success of creating a personal base Amikdash. You are evoking from within yourself the infinite Kedusha of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, And you are fulfilling the great program of life. V'asu l'mikdash v'shachanti b'tocham. Have a wonderful Shabbos. Let's get practical. Seeing the holiness. When the Mishkan was built in the Midbar, we learned the eternal lesson that Hashem dwells within the body of each Jew. A Jewish body is endowed with the potential for endless holiness. And each mitzvah, each opportunity for greatness, brings out more of that holiness. This week, three times each day, when I see a firm Jew, I will reflect on the fact that Hashem dwells within him, and he is infinitely holy.